Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Good evening, my dear listeners. Tonight, my guest is documentary filmmaker Conrad Weaver, who is here to talk to us about his latest documentary, which is in production, Heroin's Grip. This documentary tells the story of the heroin epidemic in Maryland, focusing on Frederick County. Throughout the film, Conrad interviews everyone from mental health workers, addicts, law enforcement, and families whose lives have been shattered by heroin and opioid addiction. You can find out more about the film by going to www.heroinsgrip.com. There you can donate to the film and watch the trailer. You can donate by check by sending that check to Maryland Heroin Awareness Advocates, 6608 Freedom Avenue, Sykesville, Maryland, 21784. That's Sykesville with a Y. And be sure to write Heroin's Grip in the memo line. And that film is going to be released uh, May 2018. He also created the excellent documentary Thirsty Land about the water crisis in the western states. You can find out more about that film at thirstylandthemovie.com. So I see that Conrad is waiting on the line. Let me bring him on the air. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. So talk about the goal of Heroin's Grip. Is it simply awareness or a call to action? Well, it's both. It's I think there's a an awareness that needs to be made about this epidemic and about the people who are involved. You know, when I first got involved with this uh, about a year ago, you know, my my perspective of people who use heroin were, oh, these are people who are junkies down the corner in Washington or in Baltimore. Uh, they're not in my neighborhood. They're not in your neighborhood. But as we know now that this is my neighbor and your neighbor and small town America, rural America, right here in Frederick County. Uh, it's an epidemic that is of massive proportions and it's affecting everyone. And so we want to raise awareness about that issue and then help people uh, learn that there, there is hope. There is hope for the addict. There is hope for the families who've been devastated by this, uh, this thing. And we want to bring that to, to life as well. Now, who's the blame, Conrad? I mean, is it doctors, patients, is it pharmaceutical companies? I mean, why is this happening? You know, that's a very convoluted uh, discussion and very convoluted answer. Uh, it, there's you know, every addict I've talked to, every single one I've talked to, I ask them how they got started. And to, to a one of them, every one of them said, I started drinking, started smoking weed, then I had maybe some kind of uh, physical ac accident and the doctor prescribed me some opioids and that was an easy jump from uh, drinking and smoking pot to taking opioids and pretty soon 
the opioids had me hooked, and then the next thing I knew, I was looking for a heroin high, which is the exact same high as an opioid high. And so that's the progress. That's the progression that most of these, in fact, almost every addict I've talked to, that's that's the process they went through. Yeah, it's it's really scary, and it's it's so common. It's it's uh, it's just getting out of control. So. Let's talk about your interview subjects. I mean, you have the most fantastic subjects in your documentaries. How do you find them? You know, it's it's about making connections and building relationships with people. I uh, When I get into a film uh, such as Heroin's Grip or Thirsty Land, my previous film, I do some research to find out who the key players are. You're breaking up a little bit. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I look for people who are involved in the story. I look for the key players, the uh, stakeholders, the, the people who, you know, are directly involved, and I figure out how to get in touch with them. And sometimes it's a stroke of luck. Sometimes it's the matter of, you know, contacting one person, and that person is connected to this person, and so that chain goes on down the line until I find these subjects that are, oftentimes amazing to interview. Yeah, and then how do you get them to open up? They seem to be so full of candor. You know, that comes with time. Uh, building a relationship with these people, and just and this movie, Heroin's Grip, has really been the most challenging because it's such a personal story. Uh, it takes time to get a subject to trust you and to understand that, no, I'm not here to exploit you. I'm not here to take advantage of you and of of your story. I'm here to simply tell your story. And once the subject understands that and begins to have a trust for me, toward me, then they're more willing to open up to talk. Uh, For example, one of the early movies I did a couple years ago uh, called the Great American Wheat Harvest. Uh, these were farmers. These were harvesters. Didn't have a whole lot of respect for people in the media. Uh, it took me a while to build that relationship and to build their trust. But once I did, I would show up at their farm or at their place where they were working, and they would go, "Oh, it's just Conrad. Don't worry about him. He's fine." <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that's what you have to do to build that trust with these folks. And you know, with the people in that who are involved in heroin addiction, it's even tougher because they're ashamed of what they're doing. You know, most of them are, uh, or ashamed of what they have done. And so, getting into their world is proving to be probably the most difficult project I've worked on to date. Yeah, and then uh, how has this epidemic affected you? I mean, do you know some people personally that have been affected? Yes, I do. In fact, one of the subjects of my film is uh, the son of uh, the lady who's my accountant. And she and her husband have been longtime friends of ours. Uh, We went to the same church for many years. And they're very involved in their church and their community, and and they're a well-to-do family, and we've known them for many years. And they've been battling with this thing for ten years with their son, mm. and it's still it's still ongoing. It, it's 
it's upended their life, and they talk about that. I interviewed them. They talk about that. Uh, wow. At length. And it, 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 uh, he didn't give me the exact number, but he says well into the six figures on treatment Ooh. for their son. They've blown through all of their retirement funds. Uh, it's really torn apart their family in a way and continues to do so because they're still in the middle of it. And their son is, is still alive, thank God. Um, but he's still in this, you know, he stays clean for a month or two and then he's back using and it's just really tough to uh, to deal with that and to see that happen, to see them go through that. Yeah, 10 years, that's really horrific. I mean, it, I hate to say it, but it almost sounds that in some cases it's almost incurable. Well, you know, and and that that is, you know, it's sad to say that it's surprising that this young man is still alive. Mm. It really is. Because the level mm. of drugs he is using, so every time he's using, you know, he develops a tolerance to it, so he has to step it up. And mm. last year, in April this year, when I interviewed him first, he was using several grams a day, which is huge, which is, you know, up to $400 a day worth of heroin. Mm. And today he's probably even using more because, or he's 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 maybe he may, he may be lacing it now with fentanyl, which is deadly. Uh, these these people build tolerance to it, and their their body builds a tolerance to it. Now it doesn't affect them anymore, and so they use more. And I have to say this: one of the reasons that addicts keep using mm. is to is to avoid withdrawal. Withdrawal, the withdrawals from opioid addiction and heroin addiction, and this is how it was described to me. I've never experienced it myself. This is how it's been described to me. Think of the very worst flu you've ever had. Mm. And multiply it times 10. Mm. And then you pour, pour gasoline over your body and light yourself on fire. That's how it feels. And, and so when an addict is going through that withdrawal, all they can think of is, if I can get some dope, I'll feel better. Ugh. And that's why they go back to using. Uh, they don't want to experience mm. that withdrawal. And so it's a vicious cycle. And so once they use, now they're high again and their bodies, you know, they're back to normal, so to speak. But then it wears off. They start withdrawing and now they have to use again. And every time it steps it up. And so it's a vicious cycle. And every time they buy dope off the street, they don't know what they're getting. Yeah. They, don't, they don't know if this, this hit is going to be the one that kills them. Because as we've seen, you know, this year in Frederick County, we've had over 41 fatalities, um, hundreds of overdoses. And that's just in our county. That's not counting the rest of the state. Um, so it's killing people just left and right. And it's a sad, sad story. But, you know, my what I want to do with this film is I want to talk about the successes as well. Yeah. And about those people who are doing amazing things, who have come through this, who survived, who are now thriving and helping others. And that's that's part of that's a big part of my story that I'm that I'm producing. 
Yeah. Well, you have some amazing people you're involved with. I mean, you get this guy, Danny Farrar of uh, Soldier Fit and uh, Caressa Flannery. Uh, how'd you get them involved in the project? So really, Caressa's story, Caressa's son uh, was on heroin for a while, and he did some time in prison. And uh, she, she's a longtime friend of mine. She's a business uh, a business owner in, down in Frederick, and uh, she is very candid about her story. And so she was – actually, her story was really the one that kind of catapulted me into doing this. And so she's got involved with the film and has connected me to a lot of people. She knows a lot of people in Frederick and, and is well-connected. And so I've been able to use some of her contacts and and her connections to uh, to reach out to other people. And uh, Danny, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He's the owner of Soldier Fit, and he's he's helped to uh, promote this project, and we're, we're thankful for him. And some of the other people that I've had that I've interviewed, uh, I've interviewed Sheriff Jenkins, uh, the sheriff here in Frederick County has given me an open door. Uh, he loves this project and loves what I'm doing. And I've I've been on multiple ride-alongs with his deputies to see on the front lines of what they're doing to combat uh, the in, the import of heroin into our county. And these these deputies are amazing. They're trained to spot it in the cars. They they know what they're doing and they're finding it and they're stopping it from coming into the county. Um, they're take their, their their lives are at risk every time because yeah. if they find fentanyl in the cars. That fentanyl, one tiny speck, can cause you to overdose. Ooh. And it, there have been officers. There was a police officer up in Ohio who overdosed just by incidental contact with. He was searching a car or searching a, a person, and they had fentanyl on him, and he just it just brushed up against him, and he overdosed. That's how powerful this stuff is. And so these officers on the front lines are putting their lives at risk every time they stop a car. And, you know, I've been there when they've, they've found heroin in cars. I've, I've been there. I've, I've filmed it. And so I've been working with them. I'm working with the, with the, uh, the state's attorney, Charlie Smith, here in our county. You know, he sees these drug cases every day, and it's devastating. Um, and he, you know, he gets every call, every time there's a fatality, he gets the call and you have to send people out to investigate. And, and so there's a lot of people involved in this, uh, in this story that, um, are doing amazing things. And there's people like, like Corey Shorb. Corey is, uh, he's a, he's well known in Frederick County. He's a former user. He lives right. He used to live right here in my town, Emmitsburg and was Mm -hmm. a big time drug dealer. Ended up in prison and did some did five years in prison and came clean. He's been clean now for ten years, and now he is he's just been hired on. He's been his third week as the executive director of uh, a place called the Ranch. It's a uh, it's a treatment facility here in Frederick County, and he's now the executive director of that place. Uh, and Great. so he's a big part of. This this project as well. And so I've got some really amazing people working with me to, uh, to produce this project. Wow. Well, and I was going to get into that, uh, kind of take a left turn into the, the behind the scenes. So talk about your film crew. How big is that? <laughs> well, the film crew often is, uh, me, myself and I, <laughs> okay. So doing, a docu- 
doing a documentary like this, uh, you tend to have, to, I, at least the way I work, I tend to have to run what I call lean and mean, uh, be kind of ready to go at the drop of a hat. Uh, for example, mm. uh, I've, I've become good friends with one of the sheriff deputies in Frederick County, and recently he called me early one morning, like 7 o'clock in the morning. He said, hey, are you awake? I said, yeah, I'm awake now. And he said, well, there's been an overdose. I thought maybe you want to come. And so I grabbed my gear, jumped in the car, and drive down to Frederick. And so uh, occasionally my son, Spencer, he when he, he's off at film school right now. He's home for the holidays right now. But uh, when he's here, I, I snag him to come along and help me, which is a huge help, especially when we're doing interviews and setting up lights and, and all the things like that that we need to do for interviews. Uh, but most of the time, it's my, it's me and my you know, one or two cameras and some lights and microphones and and we're off and off and running. Yeah, and you must rack up a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles. <laughs> you know, with uh, my films, my film Thirsty Land that I did, that was primarily filmed in California. So yes, I. Uh, I'm uh, I, have, I have a specific airline that I use that uh, flies into the Southwest, and uh, so I use them exclusively. And so, yes, I rack up a lot of miles, uh, which <laughs> I love to travel. And in fact, I'm heading out to California next month for a screening in Sacramento, and then I'll be in uh, Western Kansas in February uh, for a screening. So. 2018 is going to be a big year for for a number of reasons for my business and for my documentary. So I love to travel on the horizon again. So, but fortunately for for my movie Heroines Grip for this project, it's all local. It's all right here. You know, I'm 25 minutes from from Frederick, and uh, so this film is really centered right here in our home area. And that's what makes it unique, and that's why we have so many people following us on Facebook, and and most of the, a lot of those people come from right here in our county, and so it's a it's a local film. Conrad, you tell a great story. You just really, really tell a great story. I just want to dig into your motivations. Like first off, you know why documentaries. And not dramas. Hmm. I mean, what is it about documentaries that that inspire you and make you want to do them? You know, I'm always been I've always been a fan of movies that move me. Mm-hmm. Movies that I walk out of the theater and I'm challenged, I'm inspired, or I'm, uh, you know, it, it it has to move me. And I like true. I like real stories. I like movies that. I'm not a fan of sci-fi. There's a place for that. There's people who love sci-fi, which that's no problem with that at all. But I like movies that tell a story, and preferably a real story. And so documentaries really are those type of films that tell a story that is true. Uh, I mean, I I hope most documentaries are truthful. Uh, (laughs) And... uh, uh, but it, and, and, and I like telling stories that matter. I like telling, you know, working on films that matter, that will move people, that will inspire people, that will challenge people. 
and, and that's what I want to do. I, I don't want to just produce something that entertains, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I want to do more than that. And I want to move people to action. I want to move people to uh, be inspired, to get involved in a particular subject or in a particular uh, effort. And that, uh, yeah, and, and it also, it has to be entertaining because people want to sit through an hour or two hour documentary. You have to make it entertaining and interesting. And so there is that part of it. Uh, but I like movies that inspire and that challenge people to do something. Yeah, that that's, has a lot more value than, than mere entertainment, uh, mere yeah. fluffery. So what yeah. documentaries have you learned from? Hmm. That's a that's a good question. Uh you know, most recently, of course, everyone has heard of Ken Burns. Um uh, I love his films because they're historical. Uh I don't create historical films. I create films that are current. And so I love watching his films because he dives deep and his most yeah. recent one that aired on PBS about Vietnam, that was an amazing documentary. It was a nine-part documentary that was just amazing. And so I'm always inspired by that. And, and his, the research that goes into his films is unbelievable. Uh, I'm sure he's got a much bigger budget than I do. So uh, he has a whole <laughs> team of people who do help him do his research. But I'm inspired by that. And so I'm always challenged to... Uh, to uh, to aspire to be more like Ken Burns in my style, in my presentation, in the depth of my stories. Uh, and so that's one one documentary documentary that I look to to for inspiration. Uh, so there's some other okay. ones that I, I can't think of off the top of my head, but uh, uh, but you know what just. Speaking of dramas or, or, or narrative films, I have to tell you that we might have to do another interview at some point because I am also working on a feature narrative. Okay, that, what's uh, that about? Can you tell? Well, it, it's it's called Scars of an Orphan, and mm. it, it it is a true story, but it's not a documentary. So, uh, if you want to learn more about that, go to scarsofanorphan.com. You can learn more. We're really at the very early stages of development, so. Nice. Good, man, good. So uh, I'm going to get a little philosophical with you here. What advice would you you give to your younger self if you were starting your career as a documentary filmmaker over? Oh, my goodness. That's a great question. I think I would – tell my younger self to learn as much as I could about filmmaking and telling stories. Uh, I'm, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to filmmaking and uh, I would probably say, get as much education as you can on the art of filmmaking. Uh, It will do wonders for you in the future to uh, be able to craft a story in a way that is compelling and that is uh, memorable because uh, that's something I'm learning. And I've made many mistakes along the way, and I'm sure I'll make even more going forward. But uh, 
Yes, education is the key. And that's why I'm thrilled that my son, Spencer, is he's off of film school. He's learning. He's doing exactly what I should have done when I was his age. And uh, if I'd have only realized I was going to be a filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> well, oftentimes we don't know what we're going to do. So exactly. Yeah, exactly. Wow. How's Thirsty Land doing? Thirsty Land is uh, it, it, we, we're kind of in a uh, slow spell for a while, but 2018, I believe, is going to be a big year for Thirsty Land. Uh, we just found out this past weekend it aired on uh, PBS in Spokane, Washington. So uh-huh. very excited about that. And it aired there, and we're hoping to get it out into more, into more PBS stations around the country. Uh, we're going to submit it for an Emmy Award there so we'll see what happens no guarantees that'll even be you know accepted or or nominated but uh you gotta try right and uh, then coming up this next year we have screenings scheduled for sacramento the end of january uh the middle of january possibly also fresno california and then also western kansas the uh, an irrigation group and the Kansas State University is bringing me out to Western Kansas for a screening there. And uh, so we're still pushing it out there. We're going to be launching it on uh, a, a uh, an online platform in January. And very, li- very likely it will be on Vimeo to start with and possibly also Amazon. So people will be able to download it and uh, and get it in their homes. Man, that's great. That's right. Well, Conrad, it's been a pleasure. I've I've just learned so much to, tonight. This it's just very educational. And well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed. It's always lo- you know enjoy talking about the projects I'm working on and letting people know about it. And I would encourage people if they're listening and they're interested in heroin script and and I'm sure you know many people listening they know someone who's involved in it or has been affected by it. Uh, if they if they wouldn't mind, get involved with our film. Just click to support. It's a quick, easy uh, thing to do, and uh, you know, go toward a good cause. Yep, that's right. Heroinsgrip.com. Right. Yes. And indeed. I will have to say yes, that indeed. just if, if I could, that yeah. uh, our film. Once the film is done, our goal is to not only get it out to the public. But then we're also we're going to create an educational toolkit that can go into schools and universities and communities so that communities can use this as a tool to teach people about this issue and how to deal with it and how to, uh, to, to work with families who are struggling with, with this problem. So it's going to be a, a really powerful tool that people can use. That's great. Okay, Conrad, man, well, uh, best of luck to you. Uh... Merry Christmas and have a great night. Well, Merry Christmas to you and, you, and thank you so much. Absolutely. Okay. Bye bye. All right. All right. All right, folks. Let me remind you that I am available to host your film premiere as the King of DC Media. You can contact me on Facebook. Uh, the uh, handle there is william.t.pal or william400 at yahoo.com. Yes, indeed. And if you want to advertise on the show, you can contact me at that uh, address as well. 
And just let me remind you to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Good night.